time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Where he goes, Timothy, there's going to be a time when no one puts up with this, but you, as for you, let them go. They're going to go, and, and, and they're going to just find a teacher to tell them what they want to hear. Why? Because they're a lover of pleasure. If they want to get divorced, they'll find someone with a PhD to tell them it's okay to divorce. If they want to have sex outside of marriage, they'll find someone with a PhD to explain to them, oh, no, no, this is okay. If they want to be greedy and spend all the money on themselves and neglect this mission to reach the unreached around the world, they'll find someone with a PhD to explain to them why it's okay for us to just sit and bask in all of his blessings. We'll just find someone to tell us whatever we want to hear. You want to abort your child? You want to marry someone of the same sex? I'll, I'll find you a teacher. Christian, PhD. I'll tell you it's fine. You want to stop believing in hell? I'll find you someone. The PhD will tell you that. You want to just believe that there's no punishment, that God's a God of love and only love, and there's no wrath, there's no judgment to come? There's plenty of books about that. What, what do you want to believe? What's your pleasure? What, what would you like? I'll find you a teacher to give you that. But Paul tells Timothy, don't you be one of those guys. You know what this book says. You preach it. You lay it out there. Now's the time to stay the course. Now this time is to stay strong because the time's coming. People are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, not lovers of God. God bless you. Welcome to Prophetic Whispers. And that is the great evangelist Francis Chan uh, <laughs> giving you just an amazing uh, understanding of the power of doctrine, how Paul is encouraging and, and actually exhorting Timothy. You get into God's Word, you hold on to the doctrines of the Word of God. You hold on to doctrine because that's what makes you different from everybody else. You know, don't fall into the philosophies of this world. Don't follow the, the patterns that are going on in the culture right now, but you stay true to the Word of God. And I want to open up this discussion today on the doctrines, what the doctrines are and how powerful they are. And one, uh, one of the aspects we're going to be discussing today, and, uh, and I know I discussed this earlier, in a different fashion, but I want to discuss it and really point this out because I believe this has teeth. I believe this has a stickability for you into the Word of God that you really need, that we all need. Okay, We can't live without it. It's called the infallibility of God's Word because it's been tested, tried, and we know it's true. It's called the infallibility of Scripture and inerrancy of Scripture. Okay, The divine source and the authority of Scriptures assure us that the Bible is infallible and that is incapable of error and therefore cannot be capable of misleading or deceiving or disappointing us. That's very important for us to understand that the Word of God is incapable of error and therefore not capable of misleading, deceiving, or disappointing us. Some writers may a distinction between inerrancy okay, and infallibility. 
family. They are very near synonyms. Inerrancy emphasizes the truthfulness of God's word. Infallibility emphasizes the trustworthiness of this of this word of the word of God. So one of them again uh, says God's word is true, and the other one says God's word is infallible. It cannot fail. Therefore, I can trust it. Okay, that's very important. It cannot fail. I can trust it. It is true. Therefore, I can trust it. Okay. I can, I can walk on it. I can walk on water because of the word of God being true. Infallibility. One more time. It's, it's infallible. It cannot fail. Be, now I can trust it. Inerrancy. There's no mistakes in it. It will not lead me to falsehoods. It will lead me and it's incapable of deceiving me, disappointing me. That's important. Inerrancy. I will never be disappointed if I trust in God because we are living. And the reason this is important because we're living in a day where every everything everybody is is you know believe the scientists the believe the science now our now our you know the the country's being led by by people in white suits that we've never even heard of you know uh, a, a study says you hear that all that? a study says a study says a study says that's garbage we need to stick as Christians we need to stay to the doctrines of the Word of God we need to understand that Jesus is Lord of all and our allegiance is to him and his word and that's what doctrine does I will stay in God's word I will believe God's word because it's incapable of of deceiving me because it is inerrant and it's incapable of failing failing me I can trust it because it will not fail and therefore I wrap my mind my life around it get out of the humanistic logic and and you know while studies say well people are wrong they're wrong all the time you know the 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 idea of wear a mask and there's so many there's such disinformation out there that guess what you got to stay true to God's word and true to the written word of God why because it's doctrine that makes you do that inerrancy inerrancy it's trustworthy I can trust it because it's the word of God it's infallible there's no mistakes okay there's no mistakes in it therefore I can trust it amen so again let's get into this and start looking at this such inerrancy and infallibility apply to all scripture now see again all scripture is inerrant and all scripture is infallible okay there's no errors or mistakes in it and that it's in it's incapable of failing apply apply to all scriptures and include both revelational inerrancy and factual inerrancy in other words historic things you know the old israel you know solomon's temple all those things are what we will call factual you know the the historic places the the temples the the landscape the geography all those things are factual inerrancy that the bible is accurate in those and those things, the revelational portions, the that messianic uh, revelations of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, you know Moses, all those are revelational inerrancies that they are they are without uh, error in them. There's without failure in it, and they will not lead you into deception. They will not misguide you. That's the power of the Word of God. That's the doctrine of inerrancy and infallibility working together. Number one, I will not be disappointed and I'll not be misled. Okay, 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 28 says it this way. Okay, the great prophet Samuel says, And now, O Lord, you are God and your words are true and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Your words are true, your words are true and you have promised goodness to your servants. Okay, 
That's a powerful statement about the infallibility and inerrancy of God's word. Psalms 119.43 And, and take, take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. Okay, so the word of truth are in the mouth. Okay, <laughs> for I have hoped in your ordinances. So the ordinances or the laws of God produce words, words of truth. So we have infallibility and inerrancy working together. Truth, truth and ordinances, truth uh, uh, and ordinances working together. Okay, Psalms 119, 160, the entirety of your word is truth. The entirety of your word is truth. So there are people that, there's a lot of people that said, well, only portion or, you know, like, uh, like Andy Stanley, and hit yourself from the Old Testament, or that's no longer relevant. Who gives them the right to say that when the entirety of your word is truth? It's eternal. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Again, uh, I always, I always have to remind people that the, that the scriptures are not, what we will call culturally bound, written to a time and a place, and can no longer they, they have no no um, no jurisdiction over the day we live in today. They do. There are principles and truths that can be carried and exegeted out of every scripture in the Old Testament. The law of God. Listen, the law of God. Okay, um, uh, in in Leviticus, Deuteronomy. If you go into if you go into Peter, if you go into James, if you go in if you go into Paul, they all have the moral thread. The moral laws are weaved into all their writings. Flee, flee youthful lust. Okay, flee immorality. All of those are part of the the law infused in the New Testament. Because all the words of God are truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. So we have the eternal. Why eternal? Because truth is eternal. Truth is eternal. Facts change. Truth don't. So we have this doctrine that we have to stand on: inerrancy and infallibility. Sanctify them. Seventeen uh, John seventeen seventeen through nineteen. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, I send them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Here's what I want you to understand about that word sanctify. Okay, because truth is important, but the word sanctify means set apart, means to be put aside. So truth is the sanctifying portion. When you start believing and thinking different, when you believe the Word of God is the truth of God's Word, you are now separated from other, from the way the world thinks, from the philosophies and the humanistic ideas that are coming from the world. Okay, we believe the Word of God. Therefore, we are sanctified, set apart from them. We are washed. We are cleaned. Because we are sanctified, we're different. The truth does that to them. Okay? Colossians 1.5 Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you have heard before the word of truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the word of truth, okay? The word of truth was laid up. That's why we can believe. We believe, we believe the hope of the word of God because it is the word of truth of the gospel. The gospel is truth. The gospel is eternal. It's incapable of deceiving you. It's incapable of leading you the wrong way. It's incapable because it's infallible, because it's inerrant. Amen. I hope you're getting this. Now, again, what, what are the enemies of of this doctrine of infallibility and inerrancy? It's humanistic unbelief. Humanistic unbelief is the real source of 
of objections to the authority and the infallibility of the Bible. In other words, this, 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 this man, this man idea that man is God, man is the answer to himself, that man can come up with everything. We had uh, de Blasio, the, 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 um, the mayor or governor of New York says, uh, you know, the answer's in the community. There's no help coming from heaven. There's no help coming from God. So stop praying. You are that. That is humanistic unbelief. They're pulling you away from the inerrancy and the in the infallibility of the Bible. When they tell you, let go of your Bibles. You don't need your Bibles. You can trust us. No, 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 no. They're pulling you away from the source of life, which is the Bible, the infallibility and the inerrancy of God's Word. It is, its arguments are not new. Okay, listen, this has been going on forever where they try to destroy the Bible, get rid of the Bible. Why? Because people know, the one, the enemies of the Bible know that the Word of God is God's Word. We don't say that the Bible contains God's Word. We say that the Bible is God's Word. Okay, two different perspectives. One is more powerful than the other. Okay, the Bible, the Bible is God's Word. Arrhenius, Tertullian, and Augustine, you know, um, they all fought. They all combated with the with the uh, with the enemies against the scriptures. They had to all uh, sound off and say, "We have confidence in the scriptures." All the way back in the 100, 100 A.D.s, 200, 300, 400. Th this is all going on back then too. This attack on the infallibility and the inerrancy of God's word. See. When you have doctrine, you know that God's Word is true, and you know that God's Word is trustworthy. Why? Because it cannot fail, okay, in inerrancy, there's no errors in it, <laughs> then infallibility, and it cannot fail, okay? So we got to stay in these doctrines, okay? When you don't have doctrines in, in some of the failures of this unbelief, okay, that they're pushing out, okay, number one, they, they a failure to read exactly what the Bible says, Okay, they don't want to believe what the Bible says. That's why, if you look at if you look at uh, some of the things that the churches embrace now, like same-sex marriage and homosexuality, um, what Bible are they reading? Well, they they <laughs> a failure to read exactly what the Bible says. Okay, if you they fail to read what the Bible says, they come up with their own philosophies. Okay, these this is the humanistic approach. This these are the enemies of the infallibility and the and the inerrancy of the scriptures. These are enemies. Okay, watch this. Okay, a false interpretation of the Bible, especially uh, those which fail to take into account ancient customs and modes of speech. In other words, their lack of hermeneutics, their lack of their lack of understanding of how the Bible was written in respects to who it was written to, and then bringing the, those principles to the present day. When they don't do that, they will make false assumptions of the Bible. And we have to be careful. Wrong ideas of the Bible as a whole and a failure to recognize that the Bible on occasion records the words of Satan and of evil people. For example, for example, God told Job's friends, you have not spoken of me what is right. Okay, but the Bible gives a true record of what they said, even though it was wrong. In other words, it records human error, it records evil, it records all that, you know, even though even though it's God's word. Okay, but he leaves these out for examples. He lit, lets he this is all in there to teach us and to show us. Okay, God's not hiding anything from us. Okay, so again, many will point to, well, there's a lot of evil in this world. How could God be good? Okay, stop that. Okay, now we know the Bible contains both sides of it. Why he wants you to, 
understand the inerrancy and the infallibility. He predicted, he told it, he identifies all evil, he identifies it all, the things that we're dealing with today. Why? Because it's inerrant and it's infallible. Look at the days we're living in, okay? The Apostle Paul uh speaks specifically about those type of those type of issues and things that we are facing today and we are facing them in a major league way first timothy chapter 4 verse 1 you know um which tells us in the last days some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils we we have the church has embraced um on the in from the inside the social warrior doctrines of devils type teachings now, this humanistic ideas that man is the answer, that the church is the answer. No, no. The Word of God is the answer. The church is the, the, the church is, um, is just the evangelist. But the Word of God is the answer. The, you know, us being kind, us being gentle, those are all the, you know, us feeding the poor, us getting out on the streets and, and showing support for whatever, you know, that we are, you know, that's social gospel. You get into the infallibility and the inerrancy of the Scripture. That changes everything, okay? <laughs> Amen. I just thought I'd throw that in there. A failure to recognize that some accounts are c- condensations of what was said or done. Okay, again, so you'll have Chronicles and you'll have Samuel. You'll have, you'll have different, different places where the Scriptures are written. Like in, uh, I believe it's in Psalms 110, um, where, it talks about, where it talks about Joshua, uh, Joseph. Joseph was um, got himself um, sent into Egypt, and he talked about his process, how his feet were uh, were tied down in irons. You don't have any of that, but it's a condensed version of what he went through. The word of God tested him. God sent God sent him to to Egypt, and it, it gives you that whole description. But you don't find that in Genesis. Why? Because some scriptures are condensed versions. They're taken from one spot reiterated in another a failure to recognize that some some accounts are condensations of what was said or done chronological difficulties due to the fact that babylonians egyptians greeks and romans all use different systems of measures of time or dating even israel and judah sometimes uh, differed in their methods of counting kings and uh, and their reigns so again the calendar, but the idea, the truths that come out of this is true. So chronologically, chronologically means what? The time of order. Okay, order. That's really what it means. Chronological means order of time. Calendar. Okay, Matt, uh, with his, was that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Those are chronological uh, days that we we line up. Okay, um, uh, January, February, March. Those are all chronological things. Well, they. The Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the, the Romans, they all had different systems. But that's even the, the more testament to the power of the inerrancy and the infallibility of Scripture. How they could take all these different customs and, and funnel them into a message that is so in sync and so powerful and so true. Um, apparent discrepancies in, in numbers due to the fact that some passages use number, round numbers and others give exact figures depending on the purpose of the writer. Again, that's very important. That's understanding how the Bible was written, understanding who wrote it, why they wrote it, uh, what was the inspiration behind it. This is all, this is all hermeneutics. In some places, copy copious errors crept into certain ancient manuscripts okay in other words that's why you have difference in manuscripts we'll get into manuscripts at a different time on how the bible was written and what are the most reliable manuscripts 
Okay, a comparison of manuscripts has corrected most of these errors. In fact, most scholars agree on what was the original reading in the vast majority of these cases. Furthermore, those cases where we cannot be sure do not affect the teachings of the Bible in any way. In other words, when you had a scholar or you had somebody writing down, if they if they had if they needed glasses back then and didn't have glasses back then, you're talking about you're talking about the AD, you know, three eighties, uh, eighty, ninety. You know when when the letters were being um, reproduced in mass production. There's over five thousand seven hundred manuscripts from the time of Paul. Listen, this is this is huge. Matthew, Mark, the Gospels, the New, what you call the New Testament. There's five thousand seven hundred manuscripts, meaning that's how that's how popular the writings of Paul to the early church was, and James and Peter and Jude, you know, and John, okay, Matthew, Mark, and all the, all this accumulation of writings, manuscripts, there's over 5,700 in which they, in which they accumulated and transcribed and, and made into what we would call the Bible. So there is thousands of these that they look at, and sometimes the writers wouldn't get it right. They wouldn't see correctly. They misspelled some things. What, that's, again, but they have but they have found the truth regarding all these things and it doesn't affect the bible in any way finally uh, some so-called discrepancies were just a matter of hebrew or greek words what we will call morphology words that have changed words that morph okay words that morph okay we have we we understand how that works in our day where the word bad doesn't mean bad anymore you know it means it, you know it means good why because morphology things that morphed, okay? Um, Dr. Stanley Horton um, heard a Harvard professor say that a sevenfold lamp, now this is a debunked, again, here's, here's a debunked because this proves, this shows you the inerrancy and the infallibility, okay? This is a debunked story, okay? Dr. Stanley Horton heard a Harvard professor say, says that a sevenfold lamp were non-existent in Moses' time, okay? Therefore, Exodus 37, 17 through 24 is, a, is false, and there are mistakes in the Bible. In other words, that there were no seven, seven, uh, seven-fold lamps back then, okay? There was, that, was, that, that was too modern for Moses to even know of that. So the, whoever wrote that, the Bible is wrong, therefore it's in error, it's, it's, it has errors in it. it it's, it's false, it's, there's fallacy there, it's incapable, uh, it's misleading you. It goes all against inerrancy and infallibility. Watch this, okay? Exodus 17, 24 is false and there are mistakes in the Bible. However, listen, the year I was born, 19, in 1962, on the archaeological expedition at Dolphin, along with Dr. Joseph Free of Wheaton College, um, watched workmen uncover a seven-fold lamp from 1400 BC from the time of Moses. Boom! There it is. That's what I mean about infallibility and inerrancy and understanding, and understanding the revelatory uh, infallibility. Understanding that when Moses wrote this, he was writing this from Revelation... Well, that'll do it to, for today on Prophetic Whispers. So I pray you enjoyed the, this discussion regarding the infallibility and the inerrancy of Scripture, something that we must wrap our minds and get our, 
get our hearts wrapped around that the word of God is in truth, that it's inerrancy, you know, that his word is truth, okay, inerrancy, um, that I can just totally just trust it because his word is true, okay, that's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, okay, Jesus also told told uh, the the Pharisees, you know, if you search the scriptures, you will find me and you would love me. But again, so the scriptures and Jesus and truth are one. We've had this, we have this integral idea of what truth is. And then we have the infallibility of God's word. I can trust it because it will not fail. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will endure forever. The unfailing word of God. So God bless you. Thank you for listening to Prophetic Whispers. I'll talk to you next week as we continue to fight the good fight of faith. In Jesus' name, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. God bless you, and we will talk to you soon.